Good morning, Calvary. I'm just going to start with prayer in light of some of the things Lenny shared, and then we will start. Father, you've promised that you will redeem your servants from the realm of the dead, and you have received Gunny into your arms, that she was a faithful servant, your daughter, and she is home now with you, rejoicing. God, we, we thank you that she now, that her faith has been turned to sight and that she sees you as you really are and that the joy she has has made any pain, any suffering just pale in comparison, that the glory that she is experiencing and seeing now can't compare with what she went through. And God, so we thank you that you kept Gunny faithful to the end. We ask that you would comfort her family. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> for couples who are expecting a baby, whether it's their first baby or fifth baby, for some of you, one of the desires is that they want the baby to be happy and healthy, that we want our kids to be healthy and whole. And that's not just something we long for others, but I think deep down we long for that for ourselves as well, that we want to be whole. We have this desire to be whole. And I think that comes from the fact that we know deep down that things aren't the way they should be, that deep down we know we're broken, that we're not whole, and that things aren't right. And so today the question that we will be answering is this, how can I be made whole? How can I be made whole? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to sort of imagine, as it were, that I am sort of one of your spiritual doctors here at Calvary, along with the other elders and Pastor Ben. And so like any good doctor, what we will be doing is first I will start by looking at some symptoms that we get in this passage. And then we're going to have a diagnosis. And then finally, I have a treatment plan for you. So there are symptoms, a diagnosis, and a treatment plan. And we'll be looking at that all in Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. And so to start, let's just read Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. So turn there now with me if you have a Bible. Starting in verse 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, first, the symptoms. We actually encounter two sets of symptoms in this passage. One set is associated with Levi, or the tax collectors and sinners. And the other set of symptoms 
is connected with the scribes of the Pharisees, or just Pharisees in general. So let's look at the first set of symptoms. Look at verse 14 with me. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. Now, for the original audience, there would have been something here that would have been obvious for them that may not be obvious for us. If you studied your Bible, hopefully it is obvious, but the fact is that Levi is a tax collector. And what would have been obvious is that tax collectors would have been despised. They would have been the outcasts of society. They would have been the traitors. They would have been viewed as they've betrayed the Jewish people to the Romans. And so basically what a tax collector did was that he worked for the Roman oppressors and he taxed his fellow Jews. And the way a tax collector would make his money is that the Romans would have him tax his people a certain amount, but he would tax them over and above that amount and then what he taxed him over and above would be his money. He'd put it in his pocket, and that's what he would have. And so you could imagine that the Jewish people hated the tax collectors. They despised them. Often they would have been disowned by their families. They would have been kicked out of a synagogue. They weren't very nice people. And so you've got to imagine the kind of person who chooses to be a tax collector. These aren't really what you would call good people. These are people that you would say, these are bad people. These are people that love money and use people. Instead of loving people and using money or using things, people are just a means to an end. Money or whatever it might be. And so what we see with Levi, though, is that this, these symptoms in him lead to brokenness. That there was brokenness in probably his relationships with his family, especially with the Jewish community, with the religious leaders especially, as we'll see. But all of this leads to brokenness with Levi. Now, the second set of symptoms we see with the scribes of the Pharisees in verse 16. So look at verse 16 with me. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? For the Pharisees, they had a different set of symptoms or problems. So here's one group of people that would look down on other groups of people, that would compare themselves with other groups of people to make themselves look good. These would have been the religious leaders of the day. And so they especially did not like the tax collectors. And they were very proud of the fact that they were very fastidious with obeying God's law, that they, were, they viewed themselves as very righteous, and they were very prideful. And we know they're prideful because a great symptom of pride is you are very quick to compare. But a prideful person really likes to compare him or herself with others. And that's what we see going on here in Mark chapter 2. And we actually see that very clearly in another passage in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. So turn there now with me if you have a Bible. Look, let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And in this passage, Jesus tells a parable. And I think you'll find it very illuminating for our passage today. So Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so the Pharisees would have been viewed as the good people. But they also had a problem because they obeyed all the rules to make themselves look good. They obeyed God to get what they wanted. And the interesting thing is that both groups of people, in the end, don't really want God. They just want God's stuff. How they go about getting it is different. Levi tries to get the stuff by breaking all the rules. The Pharisees try to get God's stuff by obeying all the rules. But in the end, they don't actually want God himself. And in our passage, we see that we see this with the Pharisees themselves, that Jesus is here having a meal, and they aren't in there eating with him. And could you imagine that? That here is God come in the flesh. Surely you would want to have a meal with him. And they aren't. Instead of eating with Jesus, they criticize Jesus. And so I just want to ask one question for you to think about. But which group do you most resonate with? Do you resonate with the bad people, the rule breakers, the rebellious people, the people on a journey of self-discovery? Or do you resonate with the good people, the, the rule followers, the goody two-shoes? That's definitely me, for sure. But which group do you most resonate with? And regardless of which group you do resonate with, both have symptoms that are leading to our diagnosis. So what's the diagnosis? Let's look at verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So our diagnosis is very simple, and yet it's a twofold diagnosis. And it's this we are sick, we are sinful, we are broken, we are not whole, we are not well. That's the diagnosis. Now, it's a twofold diagnosis because not only are we broken and sick and sinful, but we are also blind to the fact that we are broken. Again, notice what Jesus says in verse 17. At the end when he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We shouldn't think that Jesus is assuming that there actually is a group of people who are righteous. His point, that's not his point at all. His point is that everybody is sinful, everyone is broken, everyone is sick. And some people think they're righteous when in fact they aren't. That's the point with the Pharisees. They are blind to the fact that they are sick, blind to the fact that they are broken and lost. And just reading your Bible, that, I hope that is obvious. For instance, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, we read this. None is righteous. Really? Yes. No, not one. No one is righteous. So we're blind to the fact that we're actually sick. And I think what God would have for us is that when we look at this passage, over and over again, something gets repeated, and it's, it's tax collectors and sinners. And I think that happens on a, for a reason. 
to help us see that is who we should identify with. We should not identify with Jesus. Please don't do that. We should not identify with with anyone, really, except for the tax collectors and sinners. And so let's look at the passage again and just notice how many times tax collectors and sinners gets repeated. Look at verse 14. Right, Levi, the son of Alphaeus, he's sitting at a tax booth. He's a tax collector. That's one. Verse 15. We're at, there's a house here, and there are many tax collectors and sinners eating with Jesus. Two. Verse 16. Describes in the Pharisees, see that Jesus is eating with who? Sinners and tax collectors. And then they ask a question to the disciples about why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? And then finally at the end, Jesus says he came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So the point is, that is who we are. We are the tax collectors. We are the sinners. We are the broken people. And so we are sick. We are sinful. And boy, do we need help. And so like any good doctor, I have a treatment for you, a treatment plan. So I hope Matt can resonate with this, the physical therapist. But I have a treatment plan, and I have two prescriptions for you, and then I'm going to refer you to a specialist. So two prescriptions and a specialist. So uh, the first prescription is in verse 14. Let's look at that again, verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. My first prescription for you is this. You need to hear Jesus speaking to you. Jesus speaks to Levi. He sees him. He speaks to him. And what I mean by that is often we read the Bible or you hear a sermon and you think, wow, that was a great passage. That was a great sermon. You know what? So-and-so really needs to hear this. Yeah, they're really struggling. They should hear this. You know, maybe you hear a good sermon. It's probably one of my sermons then. And you think, wow, like, that was a great sermon. You know, Joe next door, he needs to hear this. And that misses the point. You have to personalize it. You have to hear Jesus speaking to you specifically. And I hope you guys realize how amazing that is, that when you open your Bible, God isn't just speaking vaguely or generally. He is speaking to you. That's an incredible thing that God would speak to you. And so when you hear scripture, when you hear a sermon, you shouldn't be asking, oh, this would be great for so-and-so, but what is God saying to me? I mean, remember, for instance, that prayer and that parable that Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. What does the tax collector say and pray? He says, God, be merciful to people. He doesn't say that. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So one way you can pursue that is by simply confessing your sins to God, being honest with him about your sins. For instance, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we read that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. That is good news. Because when we look at Levi and this story, what that reminds us of is this. That it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, anyone can come. God's grace is more than enough, more than a match for anything you've done, anything you haven't done, who you are, what you've done. Anyone can come. It's free. Jesus is saying, come to me, everyone. The tax collectors, the sinners, 
the needy, the broken, the undeserving, those are the people. He's saying, come. They know they have a problem. He's saying, come to me. Anyone can come. The second prescription, verse 15. Let's look at verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. My second prescription for you is that you need to spend time with Jesus and his followers. That they're there with Jesus and his disciples. That you were not made to live the Christian life alone. That we need each other. And I know it's very hard with COVID and all those different things, but the point is we need each other, period. We can't live the Christian life on our own. And that you really can't heal unless you're in community with others who are following Jesus, who know him, who worship him. And we see this in James chapter 5, verse 16. We see that not only should we confess our sins to God, but we should confess our sins to one another. James chapter 5, verse 16, the beginning of the verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed. That we need each other to confess our sins. And to give an example of my own life, if I sin against Kimberly, our relationship is off kilter. It's not the way it should be. And until I own up and confess, that relationship cannot really be restored and made whole. And so we need to confess our sins to one another, pray for one another, and experience the healing that God has to offer. So those are the two prescriptions. But now I need to refer you someone who is a specialist at healing. And I also should confess as well that I really am not a doctor. I'm just a resident. So please don't accuse me of malpractice. Because the fact is, I too am sick. I am broken. I am one of those tax collectors and sinners. And so the good news, though, is that ultimately, I do work on behalf of this specialist and this doctor. So let's find out who this is in verse 17. So verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So who is the physician that Jesus has in mind? If you've been to Awana or Sunday school, you should know the answer that it is Jesus himself. He is the good physician. He is the specialist. He specializes in healing broken, sinful people. It's Jesus. We see this very clearly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. So maybe a lot of the women here would know this because they're studying 1 Peter. But let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, By his wounds, you have been healed. Only Jesus can truly heal you and restore what's broken and make you whole. All of my little prescriptions, they will be useless unless you are going to Jesus, unless you go to the good doctor who can really heal you. And the good thing about Jesus, the amazing thing about Jesus, is that he is not like other doctors. He is not like other people. He is not harsh. He is not proud. He is not like the Pharisees. 
But Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. Often we can make the mistake of thinking that our brokenness, our neediness, whatever it might be, that that would repel Jesus or God from us. And it's actually the opposite. That brokenness is what draws Jesus to us. Remember, Jesus says, this is why I came, because the world is filled with sick people, broken people, sinful people, unrighteous people. That is why he came. So it would be really odd and silly to think that I'm just too broken. You know, it's just going to push him away. That's, that's the wrong thing to think. Jesus came for broken people. He came for us. And so the good news, Calvary, is that Jesus was broken so we could be made whole. Let's pray. O Lord, no day of our lives have passed that has not proved us guilty in your sight. Prayers have been uttered from prayerless hearts. Praise has been often praiseless sound. Our best service has been a filthy rag. Blessed Jesus, let us find a hiding place in your appeasing wounds. Though our sins rise to heaven, your merits soar above them. Though unrighteousness weighs us down to hell, your righteousness exalts us to your throne. All things in us call for our rejection. All things in you plead our acceptance. We appeal from the throne of perfect justice to your throne of boundless grace. Grant us to hear your voice assuring us that by your stripes we are healed, that you were bruised for our iniquities, that you have been made sin for us, that we might be righteous in you, that our grievous sins, our manifold sins, are all forgiven, buried in the ocean of your concealing blood. We are guilty, but pardoned, lost, but saved, wandering, but found, Sinning but cleansed. Give us perpetual brokenheartedness. Keep us always clinging to your cross. Flood us every moment with descending grace. Open to us the springs of divine knowledge, sparkling like crystal, flowing clear and unsullied through our wilderness of life. In Jesus' name, amen.